Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Waves in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. You gotta dig a little deeper. It really ain't that far. It feels like, you know, I've been waiting for... for it to feel like we were in awards season waiting for all these you know big oscar movies to come out i think last weekend um not this most recent but the one before that kind of started things off with the irishman but i really feel like this was the first big weekend for awards stuff uh this weekend i saw marriage story i got to see waves uh, and and uh as well as honey boy uh all three uh, I don't know if Honey Boy is necessarily going to be a big player uh, with the awards, but man, uh, Marriage Story absolutely is, and you know, Golden Globe Awards have already come out, and it has the most. And Waves, uh, we'll see. It didn't get any any recognition at the Globes, but <clears throat> I got my fingers crossed that we hear from it from, uh, at some point during the awards season. So, today's episode waves. There will be spoilers because, man, there's a lot to talk about with this film. And, uh, but I do, given how, you know, I'm sure not many people have seen it, I will try to spend as much time as I can uh, before I get into spoilers. <clears throat> Sorry, going through as much as I can. Uh, my, uh, as far as my voice sickness, uh, feeling a little bit better. Uh, I don't know if you can hear the difference, but. Still a little raspy, a little little coffee here and there, but um, much, much cleaner, clearer, uh, and, and better than, than I have been. So, that's good. Uh, as far as Marriage Story, there will be a review episode for that on Wednesday uh, with a guest. And uh, Friday, looking like the top ten films I saw, new films I saw in November episode will be... Friday. So, let's get into Waves, directed by Trey Edward Schultz, who uh, you may recognize from directing It Comes at Night from a year or two ago, uh, as well as Krisha from 2015. Those are his big films. Krisha, very indie film, but I know it uh, got a lot of love uh, from a lot of people. You know, has a 3.7 average rating on Letterboxd. And then it comes at night. Uh, I believe suffered from poor marketing. Uh, it, <clears throat> I believe, it was it was shown to be more of a, uh, a horror film, and and it really isn't in the same in that sense. It's much more of a mystery drama, <clears throat> a thriller, uh, than it is horror. So it kind of it was unfortunate, I guess, that that's how that kind of shook out, but. I like it comes at night and Krisha, They're they're both good films, but neither of them ever eclipsed. Uh, I guess elevating itself into that next tier for me. And so, <clears throat> I wasn't, you know, I didn't go into Waves expecting it to be, you know, this year's, you know, Moonlight, Get Out, uh, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to compare it to. Uh, just I didn't expect it to be, you know. A top five film for me this year, but given the rave reviews I've heard about, I've heard a lot of great things about Waves 
uh, prior to seeing it, I did think it was going to be better than the other two films I'd seen from Schultz up at this up to this point. <clears throat> Waves stars Kelvin Harrison Jr., Lucas Hedges, Taylor Russell, Renee Elise Goldsberry, Sterling K. Brown, Alexa Demi, Neil Huff, Clifton Collins Jr., Cresha Fairchild, and others, including uh, Harmony Corinne. And I guess the general gist of the film is it's a, a suburban family, black family, African-American family, that uh, the father, Sterling K. Brown, is a little, a little, little much, I guess is a good way to describe him. He's very intense. Uh, Kelvin Harrison Jr., his son, is a wrestler. He works out with his dad. Uh, he's got... You know, he's real good at wrestling, and, and he's a very well, you know, fit and, and strong and bright young guy. Taylor Russell plays the daughter. She's much quieter, much more withdrawn. And Renee Elise Goldsberry uh, is the mother of the family. You know, she has her business, uh, which she works at with Sterling K. Brown. And... Uh, you know, they have this nice little life, and that's, it's it's this really strange, I don't know, it seems very picturesque, uh, but the film focuses on Kelvin Harrison Jr., and the few things that crop up in his life that take away from his his future, that, that threaten his future, uh, and, and what's to become of it. And so, man, it is not easy to talk about this without spoilers. Uh, man, w- watching <sighs> Waves does this thing where it, it has a delicate balancing act between the cast. And Harrison Jr. is, of course, you know, he is center stage. He is, you know, bearing a lot of the emotional weight of the film, and he does it so well. You know, if if you've seen Harrison in It Comes at Night, he was in Loose earlier this year. Uh, he's been in... Um, trying to think. There's not much else, I, you know, he was in that he was really this big of a role in, except for Loose... Maybe it comes at night. Uh, you know, he's had roles in Mudbound, and, uh, Ender's Game, and Assassination Nation, and Twelve Years a Slave, Birth of a Nation, but not like these two two films from this year. He is so good at playing intense, and you know, he gets it from his dad. He gets it from Sterling K. Brown, and and man, watching the two of them like work out together is really intimidating. They are just so gung-ho, so powerful in, in, in the way they operate. And you kind of see that reflect and sort of spread out throughout um, Tyler, Calvin Harrison Jr., Tyler's life. He's, you know, he's got a girlfriend played by, um, is it, make sure... Lopez, I think it's Alec, 
Alexa. Yeah, Alexa Demi plays the girlfriend. Uh, uh, Alexia, or Alexis, sorry. Uh, Alexis, and, you know, they have, we get many couple scenes of them together, uh, and, you know, they... The, the relationship between the two of them is, I don't know, it, it kind of feels like it's small and hidden, you know, in that way, as opposed to something that, you know, seems to incorporate the rest of Tyler's family. You know, we don't see Alexis with his parents. We don't see them interact, see her interact, you know, with them at all in the film. And so, you know, it, it kind of feels like something that he wants separate from them. It kind of feels like something that's just his. Uh, you know, Lucas Hedges plays another guy on the wrestling team uh, that clearly doesn't have the the workout mentality that Tyler has, but, you know, he, nonetheless, he's, he's you know, he kind of just like a a good, simple guy in this movie, and you know, Lucas Hedges has had some good, some nice roles in the in, recently where he's able to play somebody very complex, somebody very, uh, you know, very layered. And he's not playing that same character in this movie. I think, you know, his character, Luke, Lucas, uh, is is pretty straightforward. You know, there's not a lot to him. You know, we do get one thing about him, but for the most part, he's just, you know, he he's what he looks like. He he's wears his character on his sleeve, and I think he does a really good job of that. Uh, we get Taylor Russell as the sister. She is someone that really cares about her brother. Uh, there's a moment in the film when Tyler uh, hits, a, hits a bad spot, and, you know, he kind of... You know, we, we find him, you know, kind of crying in the shower. And she comes in and, and holds him. And, and, you know, man, it's it's a great scene between the two of them. You know, she doesn't really have to say anything. And he's just kind of muttering, you know, he's, he's apologizing that if, if he woke her up. He's sad. He's sorry that, you know, he woke her up. And she keeps telling him, oh, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't. You know, and, and it's such a small moment. Uh, especially for her, since we don't see a lot of her in the start of the, at the beginning, early on in the film, and when we get that scene, you know, she just—that's all we really need to know how much she cares about him. Uh, you know, they've—they're sticking it out. That you know, they're in this together, uh, even in, even when they don't. You know, they don't really spend a ton of time with each other. Their their bedrooms are connected with a bathroom between the two of them. That's why you know. She's able to get to him and hold him in that moment. So even without seeing them spending so much time together, you do get this sense that, you know, they, they exist a, a, in, a, in a way that kind of pairs them up. That, you know, by ha- that connected bathroom, you know, the, the domineering, intense father figure of Sterling K. Brown, you know, uh, Renee Elise Goldsbury's mom figure being, you know, who she is and what, you know, the, the kind of kinder, gentler side of the of the parents to them uh, is, is really, you know, it's a nice family unit. 
the film does a good job of setting up who these people all are, the relationships with each other, how they care about each other, how they feel about each other, and, and, and how that all works. And to the film's credit, uh, you know, I, I didn't really know what the premise was. I, I didn't know it had to do with wrestling. I didn't know much beyond it starred Kelvin Harrison Jr. and Sterling K. Brown because I have heard, you know, awards buzz for the two of them and their performances. The film, without spoiling it, takes a lot of turns. And I wasn't always on board for those turns when they came. But when I'm at the end of the film reflecting on the journey we took with these characters, where they went, what it led to, how they reacted, and and the fallout from all the events and actions, man, I love the way this film, you know, was written. Trey Edward Schultz wrote the film. Uh, I love the way it was directed. There are a lot of camera flourishes, especially early in the film. The first, like, five minutes or so are very, uh, you know, bass-heavy, a lot of noise, a lot of music. The camera is constantly moving. It's a lot of uh, circular motions with the camera. Uh, My partner, who saw it with me, uh, had to look away a lot because it was making her nauseous, and so that's that's a warning, I guess. But uh, there's also a strobe effect at a party in one scene. But I really I like how with the way that the camera is moving, with the way that we're just kind of these aren't scenes. This is a montage. These are just moments and and plucked out of you know, Kelvin Harrison Jr.'s life, and it, it just, it really did such a good job of establishing him, his character, his life, where he is, what's going on with him, and I, I loved that. I, I, I really did like that a lot. So, I think there's a lot to, to dissect. I'm, I'm excited to get into the spoilers of this. I think there's a lot of spoilers to talk about. I'm, I'm really, it's really impossible to talk about a huge portion of the film uh, without spoiling it uh, entirely. So that's going to be it for the review, the the spoiler-free review of this. Uh, you know, I got about almost 15 minutes. I'm, I'm, it's longer than it probably could get, you know, when you figure, once you, you know, if you've seen it and once you figure out how much there is to actually spoil. So, uh, I I loved Waves. I said I didn't think it would be my top five of the year. I think it has a really good chance of being in my top five at the end of the year. I love the performances. Kelvin Harrison is great. Sterling K. Brown is fantastic. Taylor Russell uh, as as the sister is exceptional. You know, the cast is just perfect. And this movie made me cry, you know, four or five times. Uh but there's a point where it goes from tragic, from, from devastating, heart-wrenching, to one of the most awkward moments in a film I've ever seen. And not, like, uncomfortable awkward, funny awkward. And for, for Schultz to be able to flip the film that quickly is, is really impressive. It, it does feel jarring. It does feel like you get a little whiplash. Uh, but... Once you've kind of settled back into that feeling of 
once you kind of accept that, okay, this is this is just awkward now, uh, I think it really opens it. The film opens itself up and and um, breathes a bit, and and you kind of let it understand what's happening after a while. So. I'm a big fan of Waves. Uh, I'm quite quite a bit behind in putting movies into my spreadsheet, as I always seem to be. Uh, but looking at uh, nominations and such at the Circle Film Awards this year, it does enter picture for me. Uh, Schultz in director, pretty sure. Lead for Kelvin Harrison, I believe so. Supporting for both uh, uh, Taylor Russell and Sterling K. Brown, yes. Screenplay, screenplay, I'm not, I don't know. Screenplay, I think the direction is the heavy, is the better side of that coin, uh, but I'll have to reevaluate once I get to it. You know, I also have to, you know, I don't have Marriage Story in here. I haven't looked at it through Honey Boy. Score, perhaps. Uh, scene, definitely a contender in scene and, and special effects as well, a contender, you know, with the cinematography and uh, the film editing and, and so on. So, looks like a big player uh, for me, and uh, if you haven't seen it, I really urge you not to listen to the spoilers and to go see the film first, but, you know, you do what you do. So, with that said, that is the end of the spoiler-free review for Waves, and after the bumper, there will be spoilers. Don't ask too many questions, you don't want answers to... You don't like my direction, and I won't follow you. Spoilers for Waves. This movie has a... People will talk about Parasite and the tonal shifts in that film and how quickly it moves from one genre to the next. Uh, Waves absolutely rivals that. So, Kelvin Harrison Jr., wrestler extraordinaire. Early on, we find out that his shoulder... He's, he's hurt his shoulder... Uh, the doctor tells him, you've got a tear. You cannot wrestle on this thing. You cannot stress your shoulder. You cannot use it. You can't lift heavy objects. Uh, you got to stop. And he does not tell his parents what happened. He goes. He keeps working out. He's ashamed to tell his dad. He's ashamed to let anybody down. He's ashamed to tell his coach, his team. He wrestles again. He loses. And it destroys his shoulder. It destroys it completely. He's put in a sling. He cannot wrestle. And it, you know, he may never recover. He may, you know, even if he does recover, he's been told he won't be the same. And that was before he agitated his shoulder further. He, it's huge. You know, this is a guy who has a lot. As a, you know, his future as a wrestler could be, I don't I don't know how lucrative it is to be a wrestler if you're really good at it, but it could be, right? And now, you know, maybe he gets a scholarship to college and and that that's gone. That's huge. That's 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 a lot. That in and of itself is is, you know, I I'm sure there've been movies literally just about that. But then we get another thing. Then uh we get Tyler's girlfriend uh, Alexis is pregnant and we see the two of them talk about it and you know he supports her they 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 care about each other and 
you can you know he gets a little upset he gets a little emotional and you kind of you know he gets that from his dad but they decide we don't see the decision made but we see them going to an abortion clinic and you know presumably they agreed or somebody had said like let's do this and the other person said okay so they go to the abortion clinic and after being there for some amount of time alexis says no i'm Alexis just storms out he goes with her they get in the car they drive off they have a fight because she doesn't want to abort the she, she doesn't know if she wants to get an abortion i guess she she's confused she's conflicted she is her body she he she knows that he can't possibly understand what it means to have an abortion uh but he on the other hand is like trying to you know it's this it's this weird fight where you know i'm sure it's happened many many times in real life and you know they're both they're both right in their own way i think you know, obviously he can't possibly know, you know, it's her body. He doesn't know what it would be like to have an abortion. That's absolutely true. Uh, but he is trying to, you know, be there and, and trying to, you know, come to a decision together. And, you know, in the heat of the moment, you know, it absolutely doesn't seem like he supports her decision if she wants to keep the ki- the baby, uh, keep the uh, pregnancy. And I don't, begrudge her for thinking you know that that's how he felt she gets out of the car he you know tries to you know get her back in the car she refuses and he drives off and you know he's very upset very upset and you know this all coming on the heels of like losing his wrestling scholar you know potential wrestling scholar losing his wrestling position not being able to do that anymore letting down his you know his dad who he's been training with and so he gets to, and this is this is the big one, right? This is, he wants to get back with Alexis. He wants to get back in her good graces. He wants to talk to her about what they want to do. She tells him she wants to keep it. He doesn't understand. He can't understand for whatever reason. Uh, she breaks up with him because of it. He later sees her, you know, going to prom with somebody else. And this is where the movie turns. The movie, up until this point, has just been a slow degradation of Tyler's character from pristine, golden boy, perfect, you know, wrestler, girlfriend, family, probably good grades, you know. And now he's losing all of those things one by one. And finally, we lose family uh, because he's grounded he can't use one of his arms <clears throat> you know he's he's lost his girlfriend he wants to go find her talk to her he steals his dad's keys to the car mom confronts him stepmom as we find out in that scene uh dad shows up there's a confrontation he pushes sterling k brown who has a weak knee uh hurts agitates the knee Tyler runs out, gets in the car, he's been drinking, he's drunk, goes to the party, confronts Alexis. Meanwhile, we see, uh, what's what's the sister's name? Uh, Emily. We see Emily's at the party. She sees Tyler at the party, sees him go to confront Alexis. They, 
He follows her into the garage, confronts her. She has alcohol. He's like, how are you drinking this? You know, how can you be drinking with the kid? And she's like, no, they're for my friends. And that's that moment, right? I think that moment is so perfect because obviously Tyler is not right. Obviously there's something, obviously he's drunk in this scene, but in general, his, you know, I think the film up until this point has not necessarily tried to make you sympathize with him and be on his side, but at least understand and and recognize what he's going through, right? You know, when you when you conflate both the 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 shoulder injury and the pregnancy that he at least for him he thought was going to be aborted and, and now it's not and you know he she tells her parents about the kid and you know all these things are happening and he feels so powerless i you know i think it's understandable for a person like that and in that situation to to feel overwhelmed to get emotional to be upset and, you know i buy that whether it's right or wrong you know i understand it this moment when he's accusing her <coughs> You know, he comes in, he enters the garage, they start talking. He's accusing her of all, you know, X, Y, and Z, drinking with while pregnant, uh, having had sex with the guy she's there with, uh, there, she went to the date, the prom with, um, and, and, you know, whatever else. It's in this moment where when she responds to him, she, you know, she is calm, she is, you know, very sim- simple in what she's saying. She's like, these are for somebody else. He is gay. The guy I came with is gay. He's been my friend for forever. Uh, she's like, you never even listened to me. You don't know who any of my friends are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And like, it just, for me at least, it just completely destroys the the relationship that they had built on lies. Like clearly it wasn't perfect. Clearly, you know, he has emotional and, you know, anger issues in in and of himself but now it's just he's he's not just not mentally there and when you know he he keeps trying to talk to her he keeps trying to talk to her they want to talk about the kid he wants to talk about this and that and she does not want to she's like no we're done we're not doing this and she like slaps him a couple of times (coughs) and in a in a fit of rage, like, he slaps her back. And how she is this, you know, 110-pound girl, uh, you know, a foot shorter than him, and he is a wrestler who has been working out for who knows how long, 10, 15, probably not 15, he's 18 years old, but, like, you know, seven or eight years at least. He hits her. She falls, cracks her head open on the ground, the concrete of the garage, no one else is around, blood pool forms around her head, and he bends over and, you know, immediately awash with guilt, tries to wake her up, and he can't. He can't. She's, she's dead. She isn't You know, it's it's this. What what? So a couple of things about about this moment. One, um, 
This is about 50 minutes into the movie. The movie is over two hours long. And I, you know, I was so startled by the turn the movie had taken and how quickly it had taken it. I'm, you know, I, I looked at the phone, my phone, saw the time, and I'm like, oh my goodness, what else, what is next? You know, if this is Kelvin Harrison Jr.'s movie, if this is Tyler's movie, and if this is a movie, this, this is a movie that takes place in real life, this is going to have huge consequences. And I'm thinking, my, my first thought was, the only way this works, the only way we follow him the rest of this film is if he doesn't get caught right now, Right? Because if he can at least escape, maybe his sister, who seems to be the only person who noticed he was at the party at all, I guess actually he mentioned he talks to one of his other friends at one point as well. You know, obviously I think it would get back to him no matter what, but it might take longer if he's able to get out of there. He doesn't. He stops. He tries to wake her up. She won't wake up. Somebody, <coughs> excuse me, finally somebody comes into the garage and screams. Everyone rushes into the garage. Tyler bolts out, runs away, gets in the car, drives off. He drives home, grabs a bag, throws some stuff in it. He's going to run away. He makes it down an alley, and the cops stop him. They grab him. They, sub they subdue him and arrest him. We cut to Sterling K. Brown, who followed... <clears throat> uh, Sterling K. Brown followed him finds out, finally gets to the party, he shows up just as Alexis is being carted away into the ambulance, finds the daughter, finds uh, Emily, and is able to understand that Tyler was there, and that the girl being carted away is Tyler's girl, was Tyler's girlfriend. And uh, you kind of get the sense that he puts it together. He puts two and two together. He figures it out. Um... So like I said, we're about an hour into this movie now. We cut, you know, we, there's no legal sequence. We don't go through any of that. We're at the courthouse, and Tyler is sentenced to life with a chance of parole at 30 years. Life. For second-degree murder. And again, I'm sitting here <clears throat> thinking... Okay, uh, is the rest of this movie going to be from Tyler's point of view in prison? And at the same time, I'm like, I don't want it to be. I don't care about Tyler anymore. You know, as much as some of the actions he took are, are you know, kind of a comedy of uh, a series of mistakes, a series of poor judgment, a, you know, I don't think he's an evil person. I don't think he's an inherently, you know, bad person. But he is definitely a person that has made some very bad mistakes and he does not have a he does not have good self-control. He cannot contain him, himself and his emotions and what he's doing at all. You know, that is not you know, and in, in if this I think if this is a lesser movie, it becomes his story and how he's able to overcome those shortcomings in his own character, I think. I mean and you know, that's maybe a good movie in itself. It could be. But I think it's a lesser movie than what we get. Because when when after he is sentenced to jail, all of a sudden the film is about Emily. All of a sudden we follow Emily. We see Emily in her room. We see Emily playing with their cat. We see Emily at school. 
Uh, we see her in, <clears throat> incapable of finding a place to sit. We get the sense that, you know, we see images of, you know, Facebook pictures from from Alexis with comments on them and, and you know, people saying, you know, oh, Alexis and Tyler were such a cute couple, but other people saying, oh, I'm sure he beat her all the time. We ultimately find out that she deleted all of her social media because people were, you know, sending her death threats. Emily, death threats. Nobody wants to talk to her. Nobody wants to be around her. She eats lunch by herself. And finally, someone does talk to her. And it's Lucas Hedges. Uh, who also, prior to this moment, has really not been a character in the film. We see him once, maybe twice. And... Uh, <clears throat> This is where it gets incredibly awkward. The conversation that they have is is very very weird. Uh, I it's just so strange. And again, credit to Trey Edward Schultz for making a scene that feels so genuinely awkward and like I, I buy the scene. I believe these characters and these performances and in it, but for also making it fit when we just saw like a murder. We just saw you know this complete. <clears throat> destruction of a human being from the inside and now we're seeing this very like rom-com awkward scene uh between emily and luke that is it, it somehow works it's somehow you know it's very jarring but once you get into it all of a sudden this is the movie now this is the two of them in a relationship they you know become friends they go on a date <clears throat> you know they like each other they, you know, it just keeps, it builds and builds and builds. And eventually they decide to go for, like, a vacation together. To swim with the manatees. And I've been waiting for this moment. I was waiting for this moment from as soon as we started to follow Emily. <clears throat> and, or actually, two moments. The first moment comes when they're eating. Din uh, eating, I think, like lunch after school and she mentions that she you know like instagram stalks him and like saw pic videos and pictures of him and looked at looked up to looked into him he says he tried to do the same to her but he couldn't find anything and she's like well you know who i am don't you he says yeah yeah i know and she's like well you know what my brother did and i i couldn't i had to delete everything i was getting death threats and you know so on and so forth and luke to his credit is just like well people are people are fucking assholes or something you know something like that and it, it's a small moment they kind of move past it the film doesn't linger on it too long but that moment kind of shows what the rest of this film is going to be in my opinion all of a sudden it becomes okay this isn't just you know, we're not just going to see what happens to Emily. This is just, this is the fallout of Tyler. How does Tyler's arrest, the, the, the murder he committed, how does that now affect everything else? What is left after that? How do you recover? How do you move forward? How do you, <coughs> how do you, how do you overcome such a huge thing, such an impossibly huge moment and, and devastating event in someone's life at at the age that they are you know it, it's it's 
completely and, and utterly overwhelming. So the second thing that clues you in, or clued me in at least, they're on their way to this vacation, this manatee vacation, and they're talking about, you know, themselves and their family. And Emily asks Luke about his dad, or about his parents, and, and you know, he likes his mom. His mom's great. She asks him about his dad. He's like, yeah, my dad sucks. <laughs> my dad's awful. He drank a lot. Uh, he, he hurt my mom. I couldn't do anything about it. And eventually the mom, his mom took him away from his dad, their dad, <coughs> and uh, hasn't seen him since. Hasn't talked to him, doesn't care about him. And Emily has this reaction that I absolutely sympathize with, I know it so well, of, but he's your dad. And I think there's so... There's so much more going on, I think, in what she's in how she says that and, and the way she says it, because, uh, you know, the, the limitations of family, the, the, the extent to which family matters is varies from person to person. Some people will do absolutely anything for family. Family comes first. I think there are a lot of people that operate under those those words. And some people, you know, they're just a little, st- you know, some people, family is a little lower. Maybe friends come before family. Maybe work comes before family. Maybe, you know, you know, it's it's this blood against water thing. Is, is it the people you choose or is it people that you were born with? And a lot of people choose blood a lot of people choose you know friends and, and the people you've chosen personally and the people you want to be around as opposed to the people you for lack of a better word have to be around and and there's no right or wrong answer there but you can see it in emily's face you know she has a stepmother she has a brother who's going to be in prison for at least 30 years if not many many more because he killed a guy killed a killed a girl And, you know, she is struggling with what this all means. Does she still love her brother? Does she hate him? If he were to get out of prison 30 years from now, could she forgive him? Would she want to see him? We don't know if she goes back to see him while he's in prison. Ever, you know. And... You know, I'm you know, I'm watching this and it's, you know, to hear Luke talk about, you know, his dad who's alive that she he does not visit and for her to kind of be like, but it's it's your dad. It in, indicates to me that she whatever she does feel about Tyler, she could forgive him. You know, it's easy to say that when it's not you, right? It's easy to say, oh, but it's, it's still your, they're still your dad, they're still your mom, they're still your brother, sister, son, daughter. You know, whatever happened, they're still your family. It's easy to say that to somebody else. It's so much more difficult to accept that when it's you, as Luke 
kind of exhibits. You know, he doesn't he doesn't really uh, agree. You know, he doesn't feel that way about it. I I just you know I know that so well, right? I you know my parents are both gone, and you know to hear somebody. And I guess this happens more, you know, when I'm watching a movie or TV show. But you know, to hear somebody talk about how they they haven't reconciled with a parent, or you know, they have a parent and they just don't interact with them for whatever reason, whether it's <coughs> drinking and abuse, whether it's you know, just just some disconnect, some separation between the two. You know, to 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 have that poss- possibility, to have that person alive and and someone you could still talk to, and to not do it, it it hurts. When I don't have that, I don't even have that option, you know. And I I think this scene shows that this is gonna be, this movie is not gonna let off let let anyone off the hook. It's not gonna wrap itself up neatly and tightly into a little bow. You know, Emily is going. If if the if if we're now on a path for toward for Emily to rec, rec, uh, reconnect with her brother, it is not going to be an easy thing. She is going to get there kicking and screaming, as it were. So after like twenty minutes of Emily and Luke being the main focus of the film, maybe thirty, a while. We start to intersperse this with scenes in featuring Sterling K. Brown and Renee Lee Goldberry, Goldberry, who are also dealing with Tyler and what happened to him in their own way. The mom, uh, whose name is Catherine, <coughs> Catherine is devastated. She cannot look at Sterling K. Brown and not see Tyler. She can't look at him. They're not having sex anymore. They're not talking anymore. He just wants, you know, there's a great bedroom scene between the two of them where he's just, he's like on his knees. He's pleading with her, you know, let him in, let him be there, let him help. And she she absolutely just cannot. She can't go to work. She can't look at him. She's broken. She is broken. And he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't, he doesn't know how to do, he can't fix it. He can't control it he's he's not on top of this thing and and it it you know he doesn't he can't do anything eventually we get to my favorite scene of the movie which is you know uh Catherine tells sterling k brown you know hey you don't ever spend time with emily you know, you spent so much time with Tyler. You know, what is what does Emily get? What does Emily have? She doesn't see you at all. She's just kind of there. And I get the I get the idea that like you know, two kids, each one has you know takes it takes something different. You can't obviously treat everybody the same way, but you you know from from seeing the movie, from what we've seen from the film, obviously Sterling K. Brown has spent far more time with Tyler than he has with Emily. So, as a reaction to that, perhaps, um, he takes her fishing. He likes to fish. It's been a while since they've done it together, and 
they go fishing and the scene with them fishing oh my goodness it is so heartbreaking it is so powerful it means so much in this scene you know first we get sterling k brown opening up to emily i should find his name <laughs> um ronald i don't think they ever even say his name uh dad opens up to emily about his relationship with Catherine and, and how he doesn't, you know, they don't have it anymore. And he gets worked up. He gets, he starts crying and she confides in him. You know, she, she tells him how much she appreciates him sharing that with her. He, he, you know, she, she loves that. And, and, you know, they embrace, they hug and they kind of, <clears throat> there's a lull. And then, Emily confesses that she was there at the party, which he knew, that she saw Tyler, which I guess he also knew, but that he, she didn't do anything. She watched him. She watched him follow her, follow um, Eliza, why can I not remember these names? Follow Alexis. Mm follow Alexis into the back, into the garage, watched him, you know, she knew she could have gone up. She could have stopped him. She could have said something, right? And, and, and this is just every time, anytime anything bad happens and you are around it, you know, I think it's natural. It's, it's human to think, oh my goodness, what if I had, what if I had just if I'd done one different thing, if I'd done one different thing, if I'd done one different thing, you know, Sterling K. Brown empathizes with that. He's like, you're not responsible that you did not do this. You know, I pushed him. I pushed him. And just the breakdown, you know, she starts screaming how much she hates him. She hates him. Her brother, the guy that she consoled in the bathroom when he was drunk. She hates him. And, you know, she calls him evil. She calls him a horrible person. And Sterling, you know, dad's just like, he's, he's not, that's not, you know, kind of like what I was saying, you know, he's not an awful person. He's not evil. He did some, some really, really bad things, but he's not evil. Man, I love that scene. I love that scene. Uh, you know, Sterling K. Brown is incredible. Uh, Taylor Russell is incredible. And so, then, <clears throat> the last kind of big thing in the movie is Luke gets... Luke, you know, Lucas learns that <clears throat> his dad, which we've, we learn he has cancer early on, uh, <clears throat> which he is totally cool with, you know, because his dad sucks, and <clears throat> learns that he has a couple of days to live, maybe maybe a week, and Emily tells him, no, we got to go see him, you have to go see him, we'll leave now, you know, I will drive two days, we'll be there, we have to go see him. And Luke is, uh, at first, uh, I don't want to do that, but eventually agrees. 
they go, you know, they take a trip. It takes them, you know, probably three days, I guess. But they get there. And, you know, she's, you know, she told him, you're going to regret this if you don't go see him. And she's right. And they show up and, you know, he's not well in the hospital. He's not well at all. And they stay there. And they stay there. And they both made up excuses of where they were going to go. And Emily's, you know, Catherine and, and her dad figure out that she's not where she said she was. They're worried. They don't know what's happened. You know, we see the texts. Uh, Dad's like, you know, I trust you. I just, I want to know that you're okay. And Catherine is like really worried and, and keeps texting, keeps texting, keeps texting. Uh, and we get this moment where Emily watches Luke hold his dad. You know, that, you know, in this act of forgiveness, as it were, this act of, you know, I know you did bad. I know you regret it. I know you're sorry. I forgive you moment. And it mirrors, you know, when she held Tyler in the bathtub. You know, she, she all of a sudden, you know, sees her relationship with Tyler in the relationship between Luke and his father. And we see her type up a message to her mom. She's sorry. She's coming home soon. And she wants them to be a family again. And she deletes that last part. And I, I forget exactly what she writes instead. Uh, I think something to the effect of, you know, she loves her. Uh, she's so proud. Or she's so glad that she was, you know, that Catherine was, you know, her mom and that she's raised her. You know, she she loves her so much. And that she'll be home soon. <clears throat> and, you know, so eventually Luke's dad dies and Luke is devastated. You know, for all the, you know, happiness he showed earlier for his dad to, you know, have cancer, he's devastated. And then we see, I'm trying to remember the last moments. I believe we see Luke and, I can't remember if that shot is from the hospital or. Hmm. Well, it's Catherine. So, so. Emily and Tyler, or Emily and Luke come home. Catherine goes and visits Tyler in prison. Uh, you know, we see her sitting in his bed. And, and we see Ronald come in, uh, the dad come in, and, you know, they just, they finally kind of reconnect. You know. We see Alexa's parents, Clifton Collins Jr., uh, as the dad, over her grave. Grieving. And Emily sends this text to to Catherine I mentioned, which is so, there's so many points in this movie. You know, if you break it into two halves, Emily and Tyler, there's so many points in this movie that mirror, that echo each other. 
you know, from you know, the way the camera spins around and constantly in motion uh, in in the car. Early in the movie, this is with uh, Tyler and Alexis. Later in the movie, it's with uh, Emily and Luke. She sends that text, and oh my goodness, like that, you know, that text means so much. That te- you know, when we see Catherine read it, it, it's so impactful. It may be that like the most important thing said by anyone in the whole movie, and it's through text. Earlier in the film, when Tyler and Alexis are texting about, you know, her telling him she wants to keep the kid and so on, you know, he ultimately, he says at some point, he tries to call her after she says she wants to keep it. She doesn't answer. He texts her and says, we cannot have this conversation over, quote, fucking text. There, it just, Schultz finds those parallels so well, so perfectly. <clears throat> and, and it just, it all flows, you know. There's that repetition throughout the film, like, dare I say, like waves. Lapping at a shore. And I was trying to think of what what the title means. Waves. And I think, you know, repetition is one way. Uh, we see characters at the shore, at, uh, near the water, quite a few, quite a bit. Luke and Emily, you know, with the manatees, the fishing scene. Uh, there's a scene with Alexis and Tyler in the water. Uh... Everything, every moment at the water is is a moment of clarity, a moment of peace, a moment of of understanding. Uh, But it could also be relentless. You know, waves are relentless. They do not stop. Just like, you know, what I'm presuming, the pounding noises in Tyler's head, relentless. The way that his arrest and and what he did continues to affect the rest of his family, relentless. You cannot, you can't get away from it. You can't run away from that. It hits over and over and over, you know. Repetitious like like Tyler and, and his dad working out. One rep, two reps, three reps, four reps, five reps. You know, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. One more, one more, one more, one more. Wave after wave after wave after wave after wave after wave. It's a very intentionally crafted film. It does so much so subtly there are a lot of elements you know uh you know the first scene that 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 awkward scene between luke and emily you don't even get to see luke for the first half of it it's just all you know close up on emily 
Uh, I even read that they distorted Lucas Hedges' voice in that scene uh, for a period of time just to give it that, you know, hostile Emily's like, why are you here, man? What what do you want with me? What do you want from me? What is the point? Just to give her that, like, I am blocked off, I am closed, I am sheltered. I This is, I, I'm not letting someone else in right now feeling. The film opens with a shot of Emily on a bike. It opens before anything else happens, before any of the bad stuff takes place, and she's just on her bike. The film closes with Emily on her bike. Now that so much has happened, everything has happened, so much is different, everything has changed, <clears throat> and yet she has found peace. I loved it. Uh, I loved it. It's, it's a fantastic film. I encourage everybody to see it. It is not an easy watch. It is very, very brutal in a lot of ways. But I think it is so powerful. And, you know, it it, it hits that Manchester by the Sea uh, sort of, you know, Manchester by the Sea moonlight sort of way of, you know, being this incredibly powerfully acted film, uh, you know, with its technical flourishes at points and brilliant writing. And I, I, I really, really appreciated it. It was, it was so, so good. So, uh, that's Waves. <laughs> that is Waves. That is it for Waves. Thank you for listening. It means a lot. If you would like to find more episodes, iTunes, Stitcher, Play Store, Podcast can be found. You can find more episodes and, and a lot more on the website, circleoffilm.com. You can find me on Twitter at Circle of Film. You can find me on Letterboxd at Circle of Film. You can email circleoffilm at gmail.com. You can support the show, like it, rate it, review it, subscribe to it, uh, tell somebody about it, or just listen. Listening. That is that is the biggest, biggest thing. Uh, if you are so inclined, you become a patron at patreon.com slash circleoffilm, where for as little as eight cents an episode, you will get access to all episodes for free or rather, all episodes early, that are released early, sorry, uh, and there's other stuff as well. Thank you for listening, and as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same goodnight. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from Nothing's really left or lost without a trace. Nothing's gone forever, only out of place. So long, farewell, oh, what I'll be to say. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.